Hey guys, good morning or afternoon or evening, whenever you're uh, watching our service. Uh, so glad to have you with us. And uh, we're in our uh, series, final day of uh, Hello, My Name is Jesus. So kind of excited about that. Hey, wasn't the band great this morning? Thanks so much, Rebel Stoke team. Uh, I'll let you guys take a seat. Uh, been so good to be here in Rebel Stoke. I saw somebody posting on the, cha- on the chat already this morning. Welcome from sunny or hello from sunny Rebel Stoke. And yeah, it is sunny here this morning. I hope it's sunny all through the, all through the valley and that you're enjoying the day. Uh, this will be great. Hey, love to hear you uh, shout out in the, in the chat on YouTube. Just let us know you're there. I know if you've already said hi. I know a lot of you just, you know, you, we're just on there and just kind of quietly watching and observing. But, uh, you know, take the moments to say hi, interact. Let people know you're alive. Let people know you're there. And, uh, and that we're all together in this uh, as we celebrate together today, as we worship together and as we, uh, as we come around the world. So we're going uh, to continue on in our series on Hello, My Name is Jesus. And uh, this morning, my message is titled, Hello, Friend, My Name is Jesus. I, uh, you know, I kind of feel like when I say that, it, it just, I don't know, I get this picture in my mind of some southern Texas used car salesman. Hello, friend, my name is, anyway, whatever, it's just kind of one of those things that goes through my head. Uh, but, you know, just uh, this, this idea of friendship we want to talk about today. You know, we talked about, and Pastor Josiah talked about uh, a number of things the last couple of weeks, and last week talking about why Jesus is God. And, and, you know, I love the fact that the disciples certainly wouldn't have been willing to die for a hoax. And uh, that's just such a powerful uh, thought uh, about that, that, that Jesus had to have been God. They had to believe he was God, had to believe in the resurrection. They wouldn't have been willing to die for a hoax. But you know, when I talk about Jesus today, and I want to talk about Jesus in the context of Jesus' friend, and specifically the terminology of the Bible in uh, Luke chapter 7, it says this, it says, uh, uh, we'll just fire it up on the screen, it says, the son of man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton, a drunkard, and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Uh, you know, I know that uh, the uh, um, people or the Pharisees, the, the Jesus critics were in fact trying to, this was supposed to be a put down that he was a friend of, you know, that he liked to party and then he had kind of unsavory friends, you know, like he was, uh, you know, I, I don't like the term, you know, friend of sinners. It's just, it sounds so judgmental, doesn't it? You know, you're, you're a sinner, you know, so, it sounds so judgmental. Maybe we should put it in a context that's a little bit better. You know, you're, you're friends of lawyers, uh, you know, you're friends of... Uh, or, or even worse, you know, it might have said your friends of perverts, uh, your friends of people that, uh, you know, homeless, your friends of, uh, you know, politicians. I don't know. But, you know, it was definitely, uh, it was intended to be a put down that Jesus would be friends with this kind of people. You know, I, I, uh, I, I love the whole idea of friends because, uh, you know, people have different friend needs. You know, uh, some people want a lot of friends, and, and some people, you know, really just have a couple of friends. I got, a, I got an email from uh, one of my best friends uh, the other day, and in, in the email, it was just, I read it, it was just, just kind of comical. He said, uh, he said, one of our four best friends, and then in brackets, you're one of them, just passed away. Now, I know that doesn't sound all that encouraging and all of that, um, but he had to point out that I was one of his four best friends, and, and and it, it, it kind of was a mixed message because last time we talked about friendship, he told me I was one of his three best friends. So I don't, I don't know kind of what happened. Uh, I guess I'm back to three now, but anyway. Yeah. 
Uh, you got that. So, you, you know, the, but the friendship is this, is this weird thing. You know, one of my grand, uh, grandkids, uh, when he comes over, he says to his mom and dad, he says, I want to go see my friends. And they say, you mean uh, grandma and papa? Yeah, yeah, my friends. And, uh, you know, it's, it's cute and everything else. But it, it just, again, it just reminds us of this basic human need for friendship. Uh, you know, we're, we're just not community if we don't have friends. We're, you know, even, you know, we're gathering online and, you know, the, co- the, the pandemic's been difficult on us because we feel like we haven't been able to get together, but it hasn't stopped us from nurturing friendships. Uh, it shouldn't have stopped us from nurturing friendships because friendships are so important. And Jesus comes to us in this particular context and, and really introduces himself, hello, friend, my name is Jesus. And uh, then he goes out to live that and, and live that in a way that is just powerful and, and important and valuable to us. In uh, Matthew chapter 11, the second kind of, Matthew has a slightly different take on, on Jesus' little talk here. And he says, the Son of Man, and, and you'll see as you read it, it sounds mostly the same. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But then he says, but wisdom is shown to be right by its results. And it almost, that little phrase in there, it's, it's interesting, but it almost seems out of context. Because here he talks about friendship, that Jesus is willing to be friends, or, you know, he enjoys life, he's enjoying life, he's, he's making friends as he goes. And then he caveats, and he just kind of says, he says, but wisdom is demonstrated by its results. He says, basically, Jesus is saying, he says, he says, so just look at what happens when I live this way. When I live a way that is full of life, I'm enjoying life, and I'm making friends of people that nobody else wants to be friends with. So let's talk about Jesus, the Son of God, who wants to be your friend and who lives and is a friend to those who others would kind of disregard and who others wouldn't disregard. I, I, I don't want to be saying today that Jesus is uh, friends only to those who nobody else will be friends with because he'll be friends with you too. And uh, he wants to be friends with everybody. In fact, one of the, one of the very important things that, that we need to say about Jesus is Jesus' concept of relationship is inclusive. That as Jesus lived, he was inclusive. He included everybody into that sphere. And, and there was this welcome invitation to be my friend to anybody. Yeah, I know he had 12 closer disciples, and then he had another three that were super close. But he never excluded anybody. You know, a lot of times we think about Jesus and we think about him, you know, this kind of righteous, um, not judgmental, but, you know, this righteous, uh, indignant, angry against the Pharisees and against, you know, religious hypocrisy and he's all that kind of thing. But yet, if you, dis- if you read a little bit more about Jesus, you'll discover that Nicodemus came to him and Nicodemus was actually a Pharisee. In fact, when Jesus died, this is even more astounding to me because it demonstrates the the depth of Jesus' commitment to including everyone of every part of life. When Jesus died, he was buried in a tomb that was borrowed, that was given. He didn't own a tomb. He didn't, you know, in that day they would have you buy your own burial plot, same as you would today. And, uh, but, you know, obviously the burial plots were a little different. But a rich man, the Bible says it's a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, who, uh, who provided the, the uh, tomb for Jesus to be in while he was dead for the three days. And, uh, but if you look at who Joseph of Arimathea was, he was one of the leaders, one of the Jewish council. He was one of the ones that actually uh, would have been involved in the persecution of Jesus. He was part of the leadership of, 
of uh, a Jewish leader, a Jewish uh, teacher. And so he would have been kind of that other extreme. And yet he loved Jesus enough. There was enough. Jesus had made an impact and had become his friend in such a way that he, he provided that for Jesus. You don't just go out and for a random person to say, hey, oh yeah, I bought you a cemetery plot. <laughs> That's just kind of weird. Uh, but Joseph of Arimathea had such respect for Jesus and because of the relationship provided that plot for Jesus. So Jesus was inclusive from that end to Mary Magdalene, who most uh, accounts and commentators would uh, indicate was probably a prostitute. And, uh, and so from every end of the spectrum, from all different varieties of life, he had, he had on his key team, his 12 disciples, he had somebody who was called a zealot. I don't know if you know what a zealot is, but the, zealot, the, zealot, the Jewish zealots were committed to the overthrow of the Roman government. And yet Jesus included this zealot. He was, a, he was an anti-government. He was anti-fa. He was all that kind of thing. And Jesus included him as his friend. Then you had Peter, who was a businessman. You have Matthew, a tax collector, a government employee. Uh, talk about a, a, a mixed bag of friends that Jesus included in his life. Jesus is very inclusive as a friend. He wants to have friendship with people. And, he's, and, and your state of life, your, your position in life, your uh, occupation, your hobbies, your political persuasions, your uh, uh, thought processes, the things you believe and don't believe are not a barrier to Jesus' friendship. And I think that's a really important thing for us to, us to understand is this whole idea of Jesus' inclusiveness in letting people come to him. When people, parents, came with children to Jesus, the disciples said, no, 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 Jesus doesn't have time for that. That's not the direction of his friendship. That's not the direction of his relationship. And Jesus said, no, hang on here. He said, don't, don't, don't stop them because they're just exactly who I'm looking for. Today, when I look out on this camera and I, I'm looking to you in your home and looking to you in your, your car or maybe you're sitting on the deck today and you're watching this and, or maybe it's later at night and you're watching in your living room, but Jesus is looking at you and saying, hey, you're just exactly the kind of person I want as my friend. You're exactly the person. There's, there's no one watching this today that doesn't meet the very exact criteria that Jesus has for friendship. Inclusive. Inclusive. The second kind of part of Jesus, you know, friend of sinners, is that Jesus was actually very polarizing. He was a polarizing figure, and yet he never became polarized. He was a very polarizing figure. If you, if you go through the New Testament over and over, you see people that, that really, they, they felt like they had to take a stand. I'm either for Jesus or I'm against Jesus. And, uh, and even like today, you'd see that they would be, uh, sometimes they'd be for him and then they wouldn't want to say anything because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders or they were afraid of the Pharisees. And, uh, and, and he, but he very much polarized the crowd because he was so unusual. You know, in 20, 20th century or 21st century that we live in, are we in 21st or 22nd or 20? I, I don't even remember. Uh, it's been a long year. But, uh, uh, you know, in, in, in the time we live, you know, 2,000 years since Jesus, he doesn't look, in looking back, he doesn't look so unusual. But in his context, in the cultural context of the day, Jesus was an incredibly controversial and unusual figure. 
yeah, he was a teacher and there were other teachers. Yes, he was, you know, Jewish and he was a single young man at, at 30 years of age. Yeah, that was the case too. Not a lot of singles at 30, but yeah, they were, that was, there was some. He, he taught some things that were really strange. He, he was very, and, and people, he, he, was, he was so polarizing that people either were for him or against him because he just, he, he just didn't fit the mold. It was very unusual. You wouldn't find another person like him. Of course, we would say that without any question, but if you looked at him in the context of his society, you'd never find another person like him in that day and age, in that historical context. Nobody could say to you, hey, you're just like Jesus. <laughs> because he was so unusual in what he taught and how he lived and how he trained and how he viewed life and viewed the future. He was so controversial that he polarized people. You were before him or you're against him. And even sometimes during the process, and we remember Peter, Peter was so for Jesus, except when it got difficult and he was so against Jesus. It's like, no, you know, I, I don't even know the guy. And, and yet Jesus himself wasn't polarized. He, he didn't have any question about who he was wanting to have a relationship for. I, I, I love one of the stories I, I, I absolutely adore is when a group of Pharisees brought a woman to Jesus. And this woman had been, in the words of Scripture, she'd been caught in the act of adultery. And, uh, and so they bring this woman in front of Jesus and say, hey, Jesus, the law says, you know, like what you're supposed to do according to the law is you're supposed to stone her, like put her to death which is a pretty brutal uh, statement. I'm glad I don't live in that era, not because I'm committing adultery, but because I wouldn't want to live in that kind of uh, era where you're so afraid of making a mistake. The, the, but, you know, when I think about the story, and I've got to be honest, the first thing that sticks out to me or just really hits me is that adultery, uh, there's got to be two people involved. And she was caught in the act, so they knew who the other person was. Uh, where was the guy? Uh, unless he was there. Just saying. And, uh, the, but, the, but the reality for Jesus was he, he didn't look at that. And, and he didn't let himself get caught in this polarizing issue because this was like a polarizing issue. Like you're either for this woman, you're against this woman, you're for the Pharisees, you're against the Pharisees. And he just, he just had this ability not to become polarized. He just went, sure. This is what the law says. You're right. So whoever is sinless, go ahead and throw the first stone. It just changed the whole dynamic. It just changed everything because he refused to be caught in the standard right-wrong situation. And that's part of the reason Jesus was so able to, to love people of such differing experiences. Like that, In reality, that's why Jesus is able to love you. That's why he's able to be your friend and, and come to you today as God, but God, my friend. Because he's not going to get caught in that mind that goes, you know, I, I don't know about you, but I, in my mind, I, I have an inner critic that goes, you know, quite often. In fact, he, he's been quite active during this message this morning. And uh, I, this inner critic, but Jesus doesn't get caught in the middle of that. You're right, you're wrong, you should have, you could have, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have. Does he, he, he's kind of like, but I love you. I, I'm still your friend. 
you know, that, that phrase, have you ever had somebody say to you, it's okay, I'm still your friend? Isn't that a, isn't that a, a profound, isn't that a powerful statement? Isn't that just like, that's just a, a freeing statement. Somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you know what, I, I'm still your friend. I have, a, I have a friend, he's in prison. I'm still his friend. Doesn't that say a lot? It just says, and when Jesus comes to you today, because he refuses to be polarized by the issues that polarize us, he goes, but I'm still your friend. But I'm still your friend. God, our friend, is, is just a, an incredible incarnation of relationship, of love, of forgiveness, of willingness to walk through life with us. So he's, you know, Jesus is, is, is very much inclusive. He's, he's polarizing. But the other thing about this friendship, Jesus the friend, to me, and, and this is the thing that always gets me, is, is I, I wrote it down and I went, Jesus is an enigma. An enigma. I don't know if you're familiar with the term enigma. An enigma is, is actually a, a term, uh, it was a code-breaking machine in World War II. It was called the enigma, but the, um, the whole idea behind an enigma is something that just doesn't seem to fit. The, the idea of, you know, if you talk about something, you say, hey, this, this is a bit of enigma. It's, it's like, I don't quite understand it. it. It just doesn't fit. Like, there's something about this. My wife is an enigma. Uh, and I mean that sincerely and, 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 and not in a critical sense in any way. That's part of the, the, the great joy of being married. I don't want to be married to somebody like me. I want to be married to somebody that's a mystery, that, that I'm learning, that, I, that, I'm, that I'm never getting quite right. Because that makes it fun. That makes it exciting. And, and Jesus, sometimes, I just heard somebody say sometimes, and sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes it's just plain old frustrating. That's true. But uh, the, the, the thing about Jesus is Jesus, let's, let's get this right. Jesus is an enigma. He like, just doesn't quite make sense. Like in my mind, he should have given up on me a long time ago. I mean, heck, I did sometimes. I mean, he, gosh, he should have given up on you too. And, and you know, I mean, he, he, yeah, he keeps loving us. I mean, I mean here's a guy, he... he, he and obviously God, but he, he died for my sins before he even knew me. Or before I knew him anyway. And why would somebody do that? I think that's the big question I have about Jesus so often is, why would somebody do that? Why would he, you know, take the, take the woman who's caught in the act of adultery and, and the Pharisees are there, and they're accusing her. And, you know, I, I get it that he lets her, you know, that he's gracious to her. But he let them off, too. He let the judgment, he let the accusers off. And I get, why would he do that? He's an enigma. His disciples didn't understand him. One day, you know, this cool story. One day, the disciples came to him. And, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of, you know, proud of the fact that, you know, we're the 12 followers of Jesus. You know, we're the special crowd. And, uh, and one day they hear that there's some other people doing miracles in his name. And, uh, 
hey, Jesus, there's some other people doing stuff that we're doing, and uh, like they're not part of the group, but they're doing it. And uh, so what do you want us to do to restore balance in the world? Um, should we call down from he- fire from heaven to destroy them for doing good things, but just not with our group? Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, to them, that seemed like the most logical thing. Right, like it just makes total sense. Like they're not with us, so therefore forth. And Jesus says this, he says, those who aren't against us are for us. Now, now think about that for a minute. We don't think that. I, I, I mean, do you? I, I mean, we don't think that. If you're not against us, that doesn't mean you're for us. If you're not for us, that means you're against us. That's how we think because we're polarizing. Because we want to see things that way. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus was an enigma. Because all of those things, and the the things I'm trying to just kind of lay out here, is the fact that Jesus was inclusive, the fact that Jesus refused to be polarized, the fact that Jesus was such an enigma is the very reason he could be your friend, he could be my friend. He could be friend of sinners. He could be a friend of perverts. He could be a friend of politicians. He could be a friend of anybody. Because he didn't think the way we think. He didn't operate the way we operate. The most incredible, powerful thing that I, I hope you hear it today is that Jesus, by decision, is the representation of God who just wants to be your friend. And we need friends. We can't do life without friends. I uh, read a comment the other day, I don't remember if it came in my email or if it was a text message or something, but somebody said that one of the first signs of a declining mental health is actually a reducing your social circle, that your social circle starts getting smaller and smaller. God wants to come to you, and so today Jesus represents himself as friend. He says, I want want to be your friend. But then we get this ripple-down effect. Jesus, the head of the church, the head of the body, now works his friendship through the body. Here's the challenge today. And I'm going to turn it back to Pastor Kim in a second, but here's, here's the challenge. Who do you need to be a friend to? If, 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 if we're actually the body of Christ, if we're actually Jesus' body here on earth and we're doing the stuff that he's supposed to be doing, who, who do you need to be a friend to? I suspect there's somebody in your world today that you need to be a friend to. Maybe there's somebody that, that you just forgot to be their friend. I, honestly, when, when I got the email from my friend that said, hey, you know, one of our four best friends, you're one of them. I actually felt a little guilty. I feel like I hadn't taught him enough. I didn't stay guilty very long. I just went, okay, that's a good reminder. And I need to be a friend. Who do you need to be a friend to? Who have you forgotten to call? Who have you forgotten to connect with? Who, have you, who do you need to just reach out to and say, hey, I just want to be your friend. Maybe there's somebody that needs a friend. You know, I, I have discovered something in my life that a lot of time the people you think have the most friends are sometimes the most lonely. 
And it might just be that God wants to use you today to be a friend. To be a friend in a way that only you can be to somebody as you allow God to work through you, God to be in you, and to be a friend, just to reach out and say, hi, somebody's thinking about you. So one day, quite a number of years ago, and I'm finishing with this, is I was, we were pastoring a church, and not, not this church, but we're on Vancouver Island, and I remember one day I was incredibly low. I was just feeling really down about life in general. And, and I, got a, uh, I got a postcard in the mail, and you remember that mail thing that comes, physical mail? And uh, I, I got a postcard, and somebody had written it probably, I guess, a couple of weeks before and sent it to me just to let me know that they were thinking about me. And it changed my whole world. It really changed my day. Your friendship means more than you can imagine to somebody. And somebody else's friendship means more than you can imagine to you. So let's build the friendships because that's what Jesus was and that's what Jesus is. Come on, let me just pray for you. Father, I just pray today in Jesus' name that we would be and we would be known more than anything else. We would be known as friends. Because that would be the same thing Jesus got called. And it would be a privilege and an honor just to be called friends. So Lord, let us be friends in Jesus' name. Amen.